Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Everything Athletes. I'm your host, Kim Carducci, former Division I swimmer and existential thinker. Everything Athletes is an online refuge helping athletes navigate the toughest moments on their journey, those moments being defeat, injury, and retirement. These moments are tough for sure, but hopefully with a bit of guidance and insights in our content and in these podcast episodes, the hurt hurts less. Also, check out the upcoming virtual event next week with Extraordinaire, hosted by Pauline Moffat. This virtual fireside chat is titled The Athlete Identity in the Transition Journey. I'll include a link in the show notes where you can sign up to register for the event. I'll be speaking to a handful of athletes and the event takes place on Tuesday, October 12th at 11 a.m. Eastern. Join the chat to learn about my story if you haven't heard already from listening to these podcast episodes, as well as some effective coping tips to transition into a life post-sport. Again, I'll include a link in the show notes where you can register for the event. In today's episode, we are talking about what ingredients make up a life that I consider living a life with good mental health. This is the second part of the two-part episode following up from last week where we talked about the first seven ingredients that I used to make up the recipe for good mental health. So today we're talking about the final seven ingredients, number eight through 14, of the things I do, the things I deliberately do not do, the thoughts I think, and the perspectives that I've adopted to live a stable, rooted life. So here we go. Okay, number eight. I don't fight who I am. So for this, I'm particularly thinking about content about self-help and being still and being present in your mind. And it seems like there's a lot of content out there about meditation and being calm and just being and not doing. And I certainly think there is a time and a place for that. There's space to practice that. Mindfulness is key. It's so important. But... Also, I know myself well enough that I love being active. I love being on the go. I love accomplishing tasks. I love doing things. I am a total doer. And this is just for me, just the recent mindfulness advice. It's the opposite of everything that I love to do. It's always promoting slowing down and just stop and be. And it kind of makes a taskmaster bad. It makes... It makes it out to be like, okay, well, if you are constantly going and doing and doing things and crossing them off your list and you're running around, that that's bad. You need to sit still and be calm and don't do those things. And, you know, I've tried fighting that for a while. I've tried suppressing that active doer in me and just tried to be still and meditate and be calm and be present and Again, there is a time and a space to sit still and calm yourself, but I I just know myself well enough now that I'm not going to fight the very person that I am to try and sit and meditate if that doesn't make me feel good. And I'm all for trial and error. Oh, someone says meditating 10 minutes in the morning will really help your day and help your mood and help XYZ. Okay, try it. Do it for a week. Do it for a month. Meditate in the morning. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel bad? There's no 
one blanket solution for every person. So this is just my reminder to you and myself, you know, I just don't fight who I am. If something makes me feel good and it feels like it's part of me and it's what I want to do, I don't fight through that to try and do what an expert is suggesting because that's not always the solution for every single person. Number nine, I schedule things to look forward to on a weekly basis. You know, and I just think back to when I was a kid, I would get so excited over a field trip. If we were going to the museum the next day, I would not be able to sleep the night before. I'd be so excited we were going on an adventure. We would get to go on the school bus and we'd be out of the classroom and it was fun. Like those feelings of excitement, they're, I don't know, at least for me, it's fewer and harder to come by that excitement like you had when you were a kid. So I try to schedule things on a weekly basis to look forward to. So mostly on the weekends, it's checking out a new restaurant or traveling, you know, not so much the past year and a half with COVID, but traveling, getting out of the city, seeing a new culture, being around new people. Uh, Maybe I sign up for a volunteer event and I look forward to helping others or helping kids learn how to read. Uh, Maybe I schedule brunch or lunch with friends so I know I'm going to get to see them at the end of the week. Maybe it's to watch a new movie that just came out. I am obsessed with true crime. Maybe it's to watch a new true crime documentary that Netflix is going to put out or, you know, just different things that I know are coming up in my life to give me some of those similar feelings of excitement. Uh, One example recently in my life is going to see the play Hamilton. Um, I know Hamilton has been out for a few years now. I've never seen it. And my boyfriend got me tickets to go see Hamilton. It was just super exciting. We were going on a Friday night. So the whole week I was just looking forward to the event and getting back out there outside of COVID and sitting in an audience and watching a really good performance and just the experience of doing something it gave me those feelings of excitement and it gave me something to look forward to. So I tried to schedule things to look forward to on a weekly basis. Number 10 is sleep. I am a big time sleeper. I love my sleep. I think it's just because like, I just love feeling rested. There's nothing worse to me than waking up after five hours of sleep or a crappy sleep and just feeling groggy having my eye, my eyes are always puffy. I always have bags under my eyes, no matter what. I think it's genetic, but like having puffy eyes and I'm just tired and sore and just don't feel good. I just don't feel good when I don't sleep. And I also think I sleep a lot too. Again, I think I don't breathe when I sleep. I don't get it, but I think I sleep more hours because I'm not getting oxygen. (laughs) I really should do a sleep study. I don't know, but I consistently sleep at least eight hours a night. I mean, sometimes I'll sleep nine, 10 hours a night. I just, I don't know. I'm just a person that loves my sleep and I love to rest and I love waking up and feeling energized. And, you know, being a swimmer, I've had years of waking up at 5 a.m. for practices. So maybe (laughs) my body is just perpetually catching up from that. But for me, I prioritize sleep and nothing feels better than waking up from a good night's sleep. And it's kind of weird to think about, but the amount that I sleep, (laughs) if you span out like a whole lifespan to when I'm 80, 90 years old, I bet you could cut off like five years of my life on the average of what someone else would live because I sleep so much. I'm just a big sleeper and I love it. 
Number 11 is therapy. Go see a counselor, go see a therapist. I really hope it's included in your insurance or there is a way to make it affordable. There are virtual um, there are virtual companies now, I think like Talkspace and, and BetterHelp. Uh, I don't know the cost of those, but I go to therapy. I typically go twice a month. I've been a little off schedule this year because I've been writing a book and publishing that book. So it's kind of got gotten my schedule a little off kilter. So I haven't been as regular in therapy as I would like, but I'm getting back into it now. I go twice a month or or if I need to skip a week because of schedules, I, I go maybe once every three weeks or I do back to back weeks. So however I'm feeling in my life, I always just reach out to my therapist and I'm able to schedule an appointment with her. And it's great. And I think therapy is so important for two main reasons. The first one is unlike any other of modality of communication, you can get specific on what's going on in your life, right? Unless you have like super great friends that are like therapists where you can vent all of the details out to. But even then, if you're having drama with your friends, then who do you turn to or what's going on? So going to therapy, you can get super specific on the details of your own life and explain the exact details of what's going on. And that's an unmatched benefit. You can't do that with anything else. So like even listening to this podcast, yeah, I have all these lists of things that I do in my life, but hmm, is it totally applicable to your life? It might not be. So getting specific with the details of your life with your therapist is an unmatched benefit. And the second one is to make sure that you're covering the blind spots in your life. You may think that you're thriving and you're doing well and you're doing this the right way or whatever it happens to be, but explaining what's going on and explaining your behaviors to a third party, to a professional, and having them look at your blind spots and proposing things of, hmm, well, have you thought about this? Or, you know, maybe this is the reason why this, or here's a suggestion of what you could do in this situation. And it could be the light bulb that you never thought of before because as you are in the driver's seat of your own life, you're going to have blind spots that you're not able to see like someone else can. And therapy, it's just amazing. I think we all as grown adults have our own experiences, both good and bad in our lives. And life is filled with drama and things happen and and we might have emotional burdens from our life. It, I think it's just part of being a human being. And therapy is just so helpful to help you sift through that and give you some relief of any weight that's on your shoulders about what's going on in your life or who you are or any of that. So go to therapy. Number 12. Okay, this is a fun one. Write a list of your favorite things and do those things. <laughs> if you... If you write a list of things that make you happy or make you feel good, you can directly know, okay, what behaviors access these positive feelings? Hmm. (laughs) So write it down. Just create a list of things that are your favorite things or make you feel good. I'll share with you my list. Okay, I have 12 things that I wrote down on my list. The first one, I love outdoor hot tubs in the morning, especially in the morning. Like going on vacation, if you're at a nice resort or if you're at a a nice hotel and they have an outdoor hot tub or even at an Airbnb or wherever, just in the morning, if it's a cold, chilly morning and you're outside and you have nature and you just get into a hot, hot, hot tub, that is the best. That is one of my favorite things. 
Um, the second one is eating crab legs. I love king crab legs dipped in drawn butter. I just, that's one of my favorite meals ever. I love, love, love crab legs. The third one is getting massages. There's a place in Atlanta called Treat Your Feet and they do like a one hour foot massage. <laughs> it is the best. I love, I like, again, I'm a sensitive person. I'm very feely. I'm very physical. I love getting my feet massaged and or my whole body massage, like a sports massage, especially my quads and my back massages. Walking out of a massage, I feel like a new person. I If I had enough money, I would get a massage every single day. Uh, number four, I love working out really hard, like really pushing it and then coming home, taking a shower, getting all nice and clean with fresh dry clothes on and then laying on the couch underneath a blanket and just watching a movie on Netflix. You know, just the sweet relief of rest feels that much better after a super hard workout. Number five, songs with deep bass. I love Ah Millie by Lil Wayne. I just think, I just blast that in my car and I just think that deep bass, the reverberations, it just, I can feel it in my body and it feels good. I just love songs with deep bass. Number six, delicious food. Of course, I'm a foodie. I love to eat. So anything that's a new recipe or just a good food, I go to the same restaurant in Atlanta, Superica. If anyone's familiar with Atlanta, it's my favorite restaurant. Well, one of my favorite restaurants. My real favorite restaurant is called Asahi and that's in Marietta, Georgia, where I'm from. It's the best hibachi ever. But Super Rica, it is consistently so good. You can dip your shrimp and bacon tacos in butter and it's just amazing. Number seven, deep stretching. I don't stretch enough. I think I stretched eh, an average amount when I was competing and swimming, but I don't stretch enough. And I read Chris Bosch's book, Letters to a Young Athlete, and he talks about LeBron James's stretching routine, how LeBron James stretches every morning and every night for 30 minutes on top of the stretching he does when at practice or at the games. And I know stretching is so healthy for you and it makes your body feel good. And especially for athletes where we've probably done the weightlifting and we've done all of the practices and work to build strength and have the muscles. Sometimes stretching hasn't been a top priority. Maybe it has for you, that's great. But for me, I dedicate time every day to at least do some simple stretches, especially on my legs. I want to get more into yin yoga, which I think yin yoga is where you hold the poses for a little bit longer. I've done it. I've done the classes before. I just, I typically haven't done yin yoga because I thought it was boring, but now I think I'm going to start going back to yin yoga where I hold the stretch for a long period of time just to feel that deep stretch in my body. Number eight, finding a new recipe and cooking with fresh ingredients. This one's super simple. I love to cook, finding a new recipe, putting it all together and hopefully tasting something great. Number nine, listening to really smart people debate complex topics. To me, this is what I call mind candy. <laughs> listening to people who really know the subject matter, watching them talk and listening to them talk about the different angles and ideas and what they could propose and why someone did this. I just love listening to super smart people go back and forth on complex matters, like especially politics, which is something I know nothing about. Just hearing people debate topics, I, I just love it. Number 10, severe thunderstorms. 
I love severe thunderstorms. I love seeing the sky get really dark. It's very ominous. It gives you that little bit of fear. You know, hopefully the severe thunderstorm is just a storm and it doesn't do damage and no one dies and it's not a big hurricane like what sometimes happens here in the southeast but I just love the feeling of a severe thunderstorm rolling in and you have to like hunker down and be safe in your house so I love severe thunderstorms oh and I realized I had one of these on here twice so it's actually 11 and the 11th one is watching animated movies for me it's nice to take a break from the people adult world and just get lost in a cool animated movie and go on that whole adventure. I nanny part-time actually. She's a four-year-old girl and we watch a lot of Disney movies. So we watch Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid. And it's just, it's fun watching animated movies where the plot lines could be whatever they want and there's cool effects and cool graphics and cool animation. I, I just, relaxing and watching an animated movie is fun. So write out your own list of your favorite things and do those behaviors whenever you can. Okay, we have two more. Number 13, I practice compassion and I do not practice perfection. This is huge. This is something that I think is still ongoing for me, but learning how to let go of having everything be good and perfect and the best it could possibly be, especially how I was as an athlete, and embracing that Sometimes I'm going to be bad at things and sometimes I'm going to be average and that's okay. I'm, I'm just a human being doing what I can. Having that self-compassion, it has just lifted a huge burden off of my shoulders and off of my life. And I still strive for good things. I don't say, hmm, okay, well, I'm just going to be average at everything and I'm not going to try. Like I still strive to do things well. I'm just less affected by those outcomes than I've ever been in my life. If I try really hard at something and I want it to do well, but if it doesn't meet my standards or it doesn't meet my expectations, I'm okay with it. I practice that radical acceptance that comes from Buddhism. I do what I can. If it doesn't match my expectations, it is what it is. I don't take things as seriously as I used to and I understand I'm human. I do the best I can. That's all I can do. I don't try to control what's outside of my control and I practice self-compassion for simply being a human being. And the last one, number 14, I feel like I've set proper expectations for life and emotions. I don't expect life to be rainbows and butterflies and gumdrops 24 seven, 365. And I'm not averse to those hard, challenging times. I know they're going to happen. I know I'll be faced just like a couple of weeks ago with my tennis team. Like, why am I the 11th one? I'm the only one that's not playing. Okay, let me just look at the situation. Do I have evidence for thinking these thoughts? No, I don't. Why am I going to get lost underneath that 90% iceberg? Like, I know situations are going to come up. I'm a human being. I know my mind. I know I've experienced 28 years of life so far. I feel like I know that life is a mix of good and bad. And I'm I'm just not averse to those hard, challenging times. I'm, They might be uncomfortable. It might be hard, but I know I can get through it. And I let myself feel the feelings. I don't shy away from feeling sad or feeling disappointed or feeling embarrassed like it, it's gonna happen who cares I'm just a human being I just don't shy away from feeling the feelings processing that giving myself space I, I'm an emotional person so just letting those emotions flow through me 
because I know it won't last forever and I can manage it. I've set proper expectations about life and the emotions in my life and I know I can manage it. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode covering Kim's recipe for good mental health. The list of things I do, the list of things I don't do, perspectives I have and thoughts I think to help me live life with a stable, rooted mind. If you're enjoying this content, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you have a particular topic you'd like us to discuss regarding athletes and mental health and the athlete identity, feel free to shoot us an email at contact at everythingathletes.com. Until next time, here's to thriving.